Hi, welcome back to the Hope Again podcast. As you know, we have been in our COVID aftershock series, and today is our last episode in our three-part series. The last two sessions, we explored grief and trauma in relation to COVID, but especially in the aftermath. We have defined trauma and grief, normalized some of our experiences that have seemed alienating, and talked about ways to help ourselves as well as when it's time to reach out for further support. For more on these last two episodes, please look for the podcast titled COVID Aftershock. Today, we are finishing up this series. We are going to talk about the bad habits gained during COVID, and most importantly, the road to get back to emotional wellness. As a reminder, dictionary.com defines aftershock as the effect, result, or repercussion of an event, the aftermath, or a consequence. So today, we are talking about the aftershock of the things we did to survive quarantine, the lessons we learned, new habits developed, and where we are today in regards to overall wellness and positive well-being. To help me explore these ideas, I have Dr. Don Coriat Hahn with me today. Don is a Jesus-loving single mom of one, daughter to two, friend to all. She's a 20-plus year educator serving Pearland ISD as a student support counselor and the Bay Area as a part-time therapist with I Choose Me in League City. Dawn earned her doctoral degree in educational leadership, specializing in counseling supervision from the University of Houston Clear Lake in 2014, and her Master of Science in Counseling from the same institution in 2006. Dawn enjoys helping clients and students find their voice, their strength, and the power within themselves to overcome the obstacles they face, regardless of their size. Dawn's specialties include teen mental health, self-confidence, self-worth, and trauma. She is also EMDR trained, as well as a certified trauma and resiliency practitioner. Dawn loves spending time with her son, family, and friends, and their newest addition, a sweet pup named Bo. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you today. And your sweet pup is super sweet. He's a hot mess, but we love him. <laughs> um, so before we get started, I just wanted to let my listeners know that Dawn knows her stuff. We have worked together for the past four years. This is going to be year five. And I always have so much fun with her. And when we are able to do community events outside of our normal eight to five, we have lots of fun. So I'm super excited for all of you that get to listen to this episode. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So why don't we just start with like your story and maybe your personal experience with COVID in regards to like everything, the good habits you learn, bad habits, um, maybe like isolation from your family, all of it. I remember being on a trip um, to Trinidad, actually, where my family was. And I remember sitting in the airport with my mom and hearing all of these stories about how it was in, you know, it was still over in Asia. And um, I remember sitting there and there was a woman who was boarding the plane too. And she was, it was kind of comical. My mom and I were laughing, um, kind of laughing together at what we were witnessing because there was a woman sitting there with fully masked with gloves on and I'm not catching COVID and I don't know about the rest of you and and my mom and I sitting there like it's like what are you it's it's not a big deal what are you worried about right and little did we know that a month later 
while we were on spring break that we would be completely shutting down. We knew that it was a big thing when they shut down the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo because we were there that day that they shut down. And I remember thinking it's, we're going to get a handle on it. It's not going to be a big deal. Um, And it was a big deal. And it was really hard explaining that to my son, who at the time was six, I think, and explaining to him why we couldn't go to our favorite places, why we couldn't go see family, why we couldn't go out to eat, why was everything shut down, why he couldn't go to school. Um, So that part was hard. explaining to him the whys. And then also what was hard for me and one of the things that I struggled with um, was doing my job because as a school counselor, we were, we were expected to go virtual immediately. Yeah. And it was hard for me as a school counselor. So I can't even imagine how hard it was for our educators. Um, You know, I remember getting text messages from educators and from my teachers and Um, I don't, I can't get a hold of this kid or my kids aren't turning on their cameras or I am struggling in doing my job and homeschooling my kids at the same time. So all of that was really hard. And I, I remember having to talk to my teachers about taking care of themselves and then me literally going into my pantry for a timeout so I could eat some Twizzlers and take (laughs) breaths. So that was hard. The things that I learned, I, I learned that I can't be in control of everything. Gosh, what a hard lesson. Such a hard lesson to learn because I am a control freak. I, I feel safe when I know what's happening. And when COVID hit and we went into shutdown and we went into shutdown as long as we did or quarantine, um, I was no longer in control. Yeah. And just so everybody knows, like that wasn't a sarcastic comment I just made. You can't see our faces. So this was like a sincere, it was so hard. It was so hard. It really was. Um, I, I remember, you know, talking to some of our colleagues or just reaching out and taking a deep breath and just, I can't do this and going outside to just breathe and cry because it was hard. Yeah. it really was. And it was hard for our students. It was hard for our parents. And finally, there was just this realization of you can only do what you can only do. Right. If all you can do today, especially with my son, who was in pre-K at the time, if all I can do with him today is 20 minutes of just dance, because that's all he'll do. He won't do his math. He won't do his reading. But hey, guess what? We got some PE in today. (laughs) Right. That's what we're going to count. Oh, so we're making donuts. Guess what? That's math and science because, and reading, because we just read a recipe and like, I had to get creative Mm -hmm. in educating him at home because of the expectations that I thought his teacher had. I was wrong on those expectations. She, for her, she was like, do what you can. And then my own expectations as to what I could do. If I could reach out to at least one kid, awesome. Then I considered that day a success. You know, Uh, it's so interesting because I think that we've been telling other people for over two years now to give yourself grace. But then when we turn the tables on ourselves, 
why can't we do that? Yeah. It's so hard to give ourselves grace. So that's something that I learned. That was a big lesson that came out of COVID was learning how to not just give grace to others, but give it to myself and recognize that I can only do what I can only do. And what a gift once we accept it. What a gift, what a freeing gift. Like that just took so much weight off of my shoulders. When I finally said, you know what, Dawn, you are not superwoman. You did what you could do. Right. That's good enough. Sometimes my good enough wasn't what I would normally expect from myself, but I had to accept that. And it really was a very freeing thing. I think that was the greatest lesson I could have ever learned. Yeah. What a great lesson. And how do we keep that momentum going? How do we keep that lesson alive and well? Yeah. And it's hard to do that because it seems like now, um, what are we, two years? We've, we've been in this pandemic for two years and it's still going on. It's still around, maybe different variants, but it's still going on. And while it might not seem that way, that's our reality, right? And I think keeping that momentum of giving ourselves grace is is not only hard, but it's required. Right. Like we can't go back to what it was pre-pandemic because we are not the same people that we were pre-pandemic. What a good point. You know, I, like you, we work with educators, right? And I thought originally 2020, oh my gosh, this is the hardest year ever. We all said it. What are we doing? Nobody knows what we're doing. 2020, I remember the community was so supportive of educators. They were like, wow, you guys are superheroes. We had no idea. Like it was so positive and encouraging and we're in it together. Right. And then that was the forced online. And then 2021 came and we were hybrid and soon educators were not the heroes anymore. And people were angry and it was a bunch of displaced anger. We know that, but it was angry. And so educators were like hardest year ever, harder than 2020, right? They were saying it's so hard. I don't know what to do. Started looking at Amazon jobs. I mean, really like maybe this is not for me anymore. And so that's when I thought maybe 2021 is the hardest year. Well, then 2022 happened and we were back to quote unquote normal, right? Which we know we weren't, it wasn't, there was nothing normal about this year and teachers and administrators and everybody was like, nope, this was it. This was the hardest year ever, right? Each year has come with its own unique challenges and struggles. And so even though the height of the pandemic is long behind us, right? Right. There is still so many lingering effects that we, we will experience for years to come. Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to change our mindset and maybe it's not about being the hardest year ever because each year is going to have its own unique challenges that we've never faced before. None of us have ever faced before. So what can we change our mindset to for it to not feel as detrimental? Exactly. Exactly. It's, I think one of the things, if we've done anything wrong, wrong, I'm going to use air quotes around that. Right. Um, I think it's expecting ourselves to get back to quote unquote normal. Yeah. Because And I remember hearing administrators say that this is going to be a great year. We're going to get back to normal Mm -hmm. Can't get back to normal because we are not who we were before the pandemic. 
now we have to get used to our new normal and we have to we have to grieve what was and get used to what's new mm-hmm. i mean there are so many new things there's there's lessons that we learned from pan- from the pandemic right for me um i was one of those people that had a little garden everything died <laughs> i tried it and i loved it right um I got into exercising that has since gone away, but I'm trying to get back to that as well, right? Because I really liked, even though I didn't like being in quarantine and and shutdown and all of that, I really liked who I became during that pandemic. Hmm. I, I wasn't so strict with my son. I wasn't such a control freak because it could be. I really liked the dawn that was around during the pandemic. And post-pandemic-ish, I started to get back to who I was before, and I really wasn't a fan of her. Yeah. Right? And I wonder if other people out there feel the same way, right? Because we, there, were some, there were some cool things that came out of being in, in all of that. Oh, there absolutely were. You know, when you bring that up, I was looking at a document I created during COVID, and it was emotional wellness during a pandemic. It talked about like current stressors, which was so many, right? We had financial hardships, social distancing, um, school being canceled, having to figure out how to work. If you didn't work at a job that allowed you to work from home and take care of your kids when daycares were closed, right? There were so many unique stressors that none of us have ever experienced, right? And so in that document, it was all about acknowledging that acknowledging that our world is different, things are different, and this is stress that people have never experienced before. Two, self-care. How do you take care of yourself? And that's what you're talking about. During that, we did gardens. We were not as stressed with our kids, right? We weren't as strict with our kids. We learned new skills. We read more. I mean, there was some really beautiful things that came during that time for many of us, but I'm glad that you mentioned that They were great then. And then we got back to quote unquote normal. And then they went away because we had to figure out how to get back to what was. And so how do we remember the good? Sometimes we think, you know, when we think about a pandemic, it's all bad. And while it was awful, is awful. There was really good things that came from it. And how can we latch on and hold on to the good and not let the bad consume us? Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things um, that my son loves to do, um, literally every single night, he asks me, mommy, can we, get, can we look at pictures of you and me? I'm like, sure. And so we do, right? And he, he always wants to see pictures of himself as a baby. He always wants to see pictures of himself literally from every part of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- I think that there's a lesson in that right? There's a lesson in going back and looking and, and taking stock in what worked and what didn't work. Why don't we, why don't we do that as adults? How incredible would it be to sit down and make a list of all the things that went well for us during the height of the pandemic? Yeah. What worked? What is stopping me from going back and doing that now? Is it time? Is it money? Is it effort? Okay. Is it energy? Okay. What can I do to change 
those things so that I can get back to that. What do I need to start my garden again? I need a tomato plant. I need a basil plant because I was pretty successful at doing those things. And then when we went back to work and I lost time with it, right? Well, then I couldn't do it anymore, but I still could. I just need to make time for it. Do I need to disconnect from technology a little bit so that I can get back to those things? Do I need to take time away from something else so that I can focus on the things that kind of fill my soul? So I think making a list, going back and and looking at the things that worked for me, that made me a better person, that made you a better person, whatever it was, and trying to pick maybe just one thing. Because if we can pick one thing and do it well, then, and see how that works, then maybe we'll be willing to try something else. Yeah. I, um, I love that because I hear people say all the time about their failed COVID garden. Well, why, why did you do it? Did you just do it because you were bored or did you do it because you were really excited about trying to have a garden? If you were really excited about it, well, get excited again. Yeah try again. Like that's fun. And if we're really talking about our journey to emotional wellness, getting in the garden, there are microbes in the soil that literally mimic Prozac. Like that's research-based. You can go look it up. I am not giving you lip service. So if you feel like you have some lingering depressive thoughts due to COVID and you enjoyed the garden, go back and do the garden or whatever it is, whatever the activity was. Same with working out, right? Mm, I hate to sweat, but the benefit mentally and emotionally that I have had due to consistently working out has been amazing. And, And really, I was doing great during COVID. And then when I got my dog and once he was fully vaccinated, I was able to take him on walks. And I have gotten into the habit of taking him for a walk every morning and every evening. And this morning when I was walking him, I was thinking, okay, it is so beneficial to me. I'm a, I'm a better mom. I'm a better friend. I'm a better daughter. I'm a better therapist when I have at least 30 minutes of movement in the morning. So how can I make sure that I am continuing that when I go back to work on my regular schedule? I think that that's important just for all of us to answer that question. What can I do to make sure that this thing that I'm doing that's beneficial for me, how can I make sure that when I get back to normal or if I am back to normal and I stop doing that thing, how can I make sure that I'm doing it? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. And so we kind of skipped over this and I don't want to be a naysayer, but I have to go back to it because I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that we learned some pretty bad habits during COVID. And this is about the aftershock, right? COVID aftershock. And lots of us have continued those bad habits. And so some that I think of specifically, you brought up technology, right? And technology became a necessity for everybody, but we have not gone back to pre-COVID non-necessity. Like this is, I'm, I'm jumbling my words, but do you, you know what I mean? Like we still are using it as if it's our lifeline. Yes. And yes. the other thing that I think that was a huge 
bad habit was isolation. And I was fighting that all through the pandemic. I was like posting videos and saying, don't isolate. Even if you have to socially distance, that does not mean social distance does not mean social isolation, but so many people did isolate and they continue to isolate and it's become their comfortable, right? They're comfortable. It's uncomfortable to engage socially. Now, anybody that had a little bit of social anxiety, now it's been amplified because we have fed into it and we have trained our bodies to be by ourselves. And we know that goes against biology. We are social creatures. Yes. And so how do we acknowledge some of those bad habits and any other that you can think of and really start to acknowledge them so that we can move through them in a way that maybe we don't have to latch on so much. You know, as you were saying all of that, every single one of my clients that I work with are doing, like when I ask them things like, how long have you noticed these feelings? And they're like, oh, a couple of years. And in my head, I'm like, no, COVID. Right. The, the pandemic really did isolate us. And we see it in our classrooms. We see it. I see it when I'm out and about and I see two people sitting at a restaurant and instead of talking to each other, they're sitting there playing on their phones. We have lost the art of conversation and we have lost the art of engaging with people. As humans, we are relational people. Yes, talking on the phone is good. Talking on the phone is better than texting, but actual looking at somebody in their physical eyes, your body is doing so much just in being in the presence of somebody else. And so how, how do you get past that anxiety? I think you, you take baby steps. Yeah. If you're comfortable with being, you know, being around certain people, then do that. But I'm not saying like, Put yourself in a big festival or put yourself in a super uncomfortable situation. But what can you do? What's a baby step that you are willing to do? Are you willing to leave your room? This is especially for teens, right? Are you willing to leave your room and go sit in the living room and just be in the presence of other people? Okay, that. And then the next time, what's the next best step you can take? Are you willing to do a little bit more? Are you willing to go to some kind of social gathering? Okay, then do that. Are you willing to go out with some friends to just have a meal together or go to Starbucks together? Okay, do that. Are you willing to just go to the movies? Okay, do that. But take the next right baby step that you can take. What I don't want you to do is to stay stuck in your room or stuck on your phone because that is not helpful at all. And that will keep us grounded in that isolation that we should have let go of a long time ago. Mm. So we know depression rates have gone up and anxiety and anxiety. But I think specifically back to when I talk to students and clients about their depression we go back to forced online learning. And one of the benefits for teens was, oh, I get to stay in my room. But 
The unintended consequence of that was my curtains were drawn. It was dark. I didn't have to get up and take a shower. I stayed in my room. I wasn't with people. And so if I had a little bit of depression, we know isolation amplifies depression. And so we had kids who were sad that they weren't with their friends anymore and sad that they weren't getting to play their sports anymore. Normal reaction, but they were isolated and they stayed in dark rooms without sunlight and without, like you said, communication with even your parents, the people in your house, they stayed in their rooms and that amplified it. And now that's a really bad habit that so many people are in right right now. They don't realize that continuing that bad habit is just increasing the depressive symptoms. Right. Right. And, and as a parent, right, it was so easy. In in when we were at the height of the pandemic, it was so easy to tell my son, go to your room and read, go play on your tablet, go do whatever you need to do because I have to get some work done. Right. Mommy has a meeting. I have a meeting. I have a meeting at 11. I have a meeting at noon. I have a meeting at one. So I need you to occupy yourself because I've got things I need to do. So it was super easy to allow my kid to stay isolated. Now it is, it's like pulling teeth, trying to get him off of that. Do we argue about it? Yes, we do. And do I hold firm on, hey, you've been on your tablet long enough or you've been on your switch long enough. It's time to, let's go watch, let's go watch TV together. Still screen time, but now we're together and we're doing something together and we're laughing together. And even if we're not talking and having a conversation, we are still communicating, right? And so one of the things that I encourage a lot of parents is you need to have some family time. Yeah. And, and I know with teenagers, that's especially hard because teenagers do not want to spend time with their families, right? They're, they're never going to tell you they want to spend time with you. But so many of, of my students and teen clients say things like, we never do things as a family. Right. My parents don't understand me. Well, you know why they don't understand you? Because you don't spend time with them. So we've got to make an effort as hard as it is, we've got to make an effort to do some really solid family time. And if you're not sure what to do, ask everybody in your family, like ask for suggestions, have a jar of family time ideas and somebody in the family gets to pick and whatever you pick is what you do. But I think, I do think we've got to make a concerted effort at connecting with each other. So again, what's the next right thing you can do? So talk a little bit about the type of clients you serve. I know in your bio and the introduction, we talked a little bit about it, but really talk about your favorite type of clients, how, and really how you help them reintegrate or to gain healthy new skills and habits. I like how you said just one step at a time, right? But give me some things that you do with your clients and why you work with the type of people you, you do. When I first started counseling, I worked with the littles. I worked with the elementary, the elementary kiddos. If you had told me four years ago, five years ago, that I'd be working with teenagers, I would have laughed. I would have said, no, absolutely not. And yet here I am working with teenagers. In, in my private practice too? 
in my private practice too, I work mostly with teenagers, um, teen girls. I've got a couple of outliers. I've got some, um, some adult women, but for the most part, it's teen girls. And ironically, even with the women, we are still talking about relationships. We're still talking about anxiety and depression. Um, we're still talking about figuring out who we are. We're still talking about boundaries. Like the topics are still the same, regardless of the age that I'm dealing with. I'm a big believer in journaling. And as they're taking me through their journey, one of the things that I always tell my clients right off the bat is that they are the expert on them. Hmm. And because they know themselves best, they're with themselves 24 seven. They are the one true expert on themselves. And so I can, I can pull themes and I can say, you know, here's what I'm noticing the last few times that I've seen you, you brought this up. This seems like it's really important to you. What do you think? What do you think will work for you? Um, I have a lot of my clients do vision boards. I want them to have that image of, okay, where, where am I going with this? If you get in your car and you're driving, you will go anywhere. You could go anywhere in your car. But if you have a destination in mind, you're going to get there that much sooner. So that's why I asked that question. What's going to be different for you at the end of our time together? What, what will have changed for you? And then that helps us identify our goals. And then I have, I have a lot of my clients do vision boards so that they can see that goal in mind. Have them do a lot of like emotional tracking, especially when we're talking about anxiety or depression so that we can figure out what their triggers are or what situations kind of get them in those pockets of depression or pockets of anxiety. And a lot of acknowledgement of you're not as deeply depressed as you were. Like you're in a good place. So something worked, pat yourself on the back for that. Like be proud of yourself for that. Because a lot of times they're like, I can't, I, I can't do this. I'm always going to be this way. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes it's so hard to notice the little baby steps, right? And that's why going to a therapist is so helpful because we are your cheerleader and we're going to notice it for you until you notice it for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. During COVID, when the world changed, we learned some really good habits and we learned some really bad habits. And so I think from this discussion, we just really need to think about what were the good things that we learned? What was it that we really enjoyed? What was the positive? You know, our brain has this negativity bias. And so unless we're really intentional about acknowledging and remembering the good, we're not going to do that. And so I like how you were talking about the good things, right? Because we can go back to that and we can say, I really enjoyed that. I stopped doing it because I also learned some bad habits that took over. They took precedence. Um, the isolation felt good for a little while until it didn't, but now I don't know how to make it go away. And so I think some of those things that we learned that weren't so great, we can fix by remembering the things that were really great. Yeah. Start a gratitude journal. Mm, yep. Every morning, every morning. If you are a praying person, okay, start in prayer, yep. right? Pray about the things that um, you're looking forward to. One of my dear friends gave me, I don't even know where it is right now, but gave me this amazing journal. It's a, it's literally a five minute journal 
for the morning and a five minute journal for the evening. And the prompt is the same every single day. And the first, the prompt is for the morning, what are five things that you're looking forward to today? So now I, you know, I've, I've done, I've done my, hey God, good morning. Thank you for waking me up, all that jazz. And now I've also put my mind on this, this path of, I'm looking forward to these things happening today. And at the end of the day, the prompt is what worked today? What went well today? Because, and now I'm going to bed with gratitude on my mind instead of all of the things that went wrong. Now, does that mean that I only, that I have a Pollyanna attitude and that I only focus on the good? No, because that's not realistic. Life, life in itself is full of highs and lows, hills and valleys. But I choose not to focus my whole mindset and everything on the negative. Yeah. I choose to focus on the positive. I love and it me looking forward to the next good thing that may or may not happen, but at least it gives me hope. When you have hope, there is something to look forward to. There is, that means good things are coming. And I choose to hold on to that instead of always focusing on the negative. I love that. Um, at the end of the podcast every week, there's a Bible verse and we just changed it up um, and had our oldest record Romans 15, 13. It's about may the God of joy fill you with hope. And so to me, that's so important. That's why my private practice is named hope again, because people lose hope. And when we lose hope, there's no reason to get better. And so the, the hope and prayer and goal is that you just take a moment and try again, right? And just know that if there's a little glimmer of light, go towards that and let's help the light get bigger. Yes. Um, okay. So we talked about ways to help reintegrate ways to get well, to get emotionally well, to get physically well. Like you were talking about working out is good for you. We have to do the things we have to work out. How do we get emotionally? Well, you talked about journaling, gratitude boards, um, not just leaving our room if we're a teenager and we're still into in that bad habit of isolating and staying by ourselves. let's just leave our room even if it just means I go to my sister's room and sit with her for a little bit because she's right yes. next door let's do that yes go out do you know how many times I have told my teen clients I'm gonna need you to go outside and get some sunshine yes like, ma'am off and go stand take me with you let's go on a rainbow walk Let's go outside. Okay, show me something red. Show me something orange. We take 10 minutes to do that. By the time we're done, and first question I ask is, okay, so how's your heart rate? Oh, it's slowed down. Take a deep breath. Notice your breathing. Oh, it evened out. Do a body scan. Oh, the heavy feeling in my chest is gone. Uh-huh. Yeah, I need you to get outside. Like that is often a homework assignment. I need you to get outside for at least 10 minutes a day. Put your feet, you were talking about all the micro, by whatever that word you use. <laughs> in My, the microbes. The microbes, there we go. The microbes that are in the earth. Take your shoes off and go stand on the grass. Right, God knew what he was doing. Yes, like just stand there barefoot and just ground yourself. 
nine times out of 10, you will see me outside barefoot, standing in the grass with my face turned to the sun, just to kind of ground myself and just feel some warmth. Yeah. I always feel better when I do it. And so I encourage my clients to do that too. It helps physically and emotionally. Yeah. Right. Our bodies need that. So lots of great tips and tools and we all can benefit from them. So we don't have to have like a diagnosable problem to need to do any of those things. We also don't have to have a diagnosable issue to go to therapy, but what, let's say we've done all of those things, but something's still wrong. How do I know when it's time to seek therapy either for myself, or if you're a parent listening, how do I know my teen might benefit from talking to somebody? When the thing that's going on with you, the issue, the feeling, whatever it is, is keeping you from doing things that normally make you happy. It's time to go, maybe go talk to somebody. If somebody in your world says, hey, I think you might need to go talk to somebody or have you considered talking to somebody? There's your sign. Hmm. Um, I think that if you are questioning whether or not you should go see a therapist, you need to go see a therapist. Yes. If thought has, has already entered your mind, then do it, act on it. Again, just like you said, you don't have to have a diagnosable issue. There can be a situation that has you questioning things or feeling certain things. When I went through my divorce, I went to therapy because I needed help processing that. And when it we were in school to be therapists, we had we went to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I've been back a few times for therapy because of things that have gone on in my life, right? So to, to circle back to your original question, right? You don't have to have anxiety or depression or a diagnosable thing, right? But if there is something that is preventing you from being your true, authentic, healthy self, and you have that question in your mind of maybe I should, or um, my teenager is always in their room, or something about them is just not right. Like it's shifted. I've noticed a personality shift or they just seem sad all the time, or they just are worried all the time. Seek out therapy. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Don, for sharing your wisdom and experience with us. I normally say, is there any final remarks? And if there is, you can share them, but I think you just said it, seek out therapy. <laughs> but do you have any final remarks or anything you'd like to say? Um, actually, yes, I do want to say one thing. And it's something that I say to my clients, um, in our very first session, all therapists are not created equal, Mm. right? There are so many people who seek out therapy and they go to one session and they're like, nope, this is not for me. I am never going back. That can be the biggest disservice you do for yourself. Because again, we are not, all therapists are not created equal. I ask every single one of my therapists to give me at least three sessions. And then I follow it up with, if after three sessions, something is not gelling, we're not connecting, you don't feel comfortable with me, you feel like I am not the person for you, 
know that you can tell me that because my only goal for you is to help you on your healing journey. And if I am not the person for you, I'm okay with that. I will help you find the person that is. And so I want to make sure that, that your listeners know that. Give your therapist a few sessions. And if that person is not right for you, that's okay. So that would be the one, the one final thing that I have to say when it comes to therapy. Well, thank you so much. I think that's great. Yes. Advocate for yourself. Not all therapists are created equally and that's okay. That's okay. Well, I've truly enjoyed this mini series on COVID aftershock and really liked this last series, really wrapping up this idea of journey to wellness, bad habits learned, good habits gained or good lessons learned that we're going to reintegrate into our lives. And so I really am so glad that we ended this series on this because it is hope filled and we are going to find that if we implement some of the things that we learned today about journaling and gratitude and really just latching on to hope, we are going to get back to a place of wellness. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this as much as me. I look forward to hearing about more topics you want to hear about. The goal of this podcast is to instill hope through personal and professional stories of struggle and recovery, as well as explore ideas that help you navigate hard times in the most healthy way possible. August is National Wellness Month, so we are going to be talking about all things wellness and self-care. You're not going to want to miss the upcoming episodes. We are going to have a great month of content. As always, I want to say a special thank you to my subscribers who are supporting me financially. I am humbled by your desire to listen to the Hope Again podcast, and please reach out if I can ever support you. Thank you again, and I look forward to next week. Remember, if you have lost hope in ever feeling good, calm, safe, or happy again, this is your invitation to try one more time and hope again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13. Thank you for listening to the Hope Again podcast, where the light at the end of the tunnel gets brighter each day. Mm-hmm.